0: Thanks for tuning into The Happiness Playbook, a podcast that supports your practice of play theory, a life strategy that cultivates hope, generosity, and validation of self and others. Here at The Happiness Playbook, we believe life is a team sport, and we're all in this together. So let's join forces as we focus on the positive and share tips and practices to improve your happiness game. I'm Laurie Florence, and I'll be your host for Episode 93 of the Happiness Playbook. We're going to be talking about the idea of blooming where you're planted and how that relates to happiness. But before we get into the meat of this very important idea, we want to do our post-game analysis. How did you do with Episode 92's Play of the Week? When you found yourself lacking motivation to take on a chore or task or follow a routine, did you try gamifying it and turn it into a quest? Let me know what you did to let go and play and make a task more appealing. A wonderful listener, Lorna Schofield, commented on the episode page at playtheory.org. Quote, "'Mary Poppins would love this episode. A spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down, and a drop of dopamine makes all we strive for sweeter.'" Unquote. Amen to that, Lorna. If you did do something playful to encourage good behavior, we'd love to hear about it. Comment, leave a review on iTunes, or message us at the Happiness Playbook on Instagram. You can also find us at Play Theory on Facebook. We would love your feedback. Today's highlight reel is a great example of the Play Theory principle we're discussing today, Accept and Build. The title is, U.S. State Park Unveils New Trail Made of Illegally Dumped Tires. The article goes on to talk about 450 volunteers cleaned up over 24,000 dumped tires from Tennessee's T.O. Fuller State Park. Yes, I said 24,000. Through a coordinated effort between government grants, recycling facilities, and volunteerism, the tires were then remade into rubber crumbs that were then used to surface a 2.5 mile long walking biking trail in the park. This is such a great example of accepting a circumstance, 24,000 unwanted tires, then building something better from it using those tires. To make improvements in the park. I love it when a problem can be transformed into the solution. I'll post the link in the show notes if you want more of the details about the story. Okay, time for this week's play-by-play. In episode 92 last week, we ended with George Orwell's statement, happiness can only exist in acceptance. What do you think of that? Do you agree? I have mixed feelings about it, honestly. I had to ask myself, what about accepting a subpar performance? Like, I'm not a great pickleball player, so should I quit or not try to to play with people who are better than me? What about when I had plantar fasciitis and my feet hurt all the time? Should I accept that it just was inevitable and there was nothing I could do about it? I didn't accept that idea, and I'm not accepting the idea that I should quit playing pickleball. Instead, when I had plantar fasciitis, I was determined to find answers and solutions, and guess what? I did. The answer for me was, drumroll, yoga. After learning more about the importance of flexibility and long-term health, here's a deep thought that decrepancy of old age has more to do with our lack of flexibility than it does with the date of our birth. But back to my plantar fasciitis. I am more happy for not accepting that I'd always have sore feet. So I did accept that I had plantar fasciitis, but I didn't accept the prognosis that I would never be free of it. Maybe a definition of acceptance will help us tease out the truth here. One, acceptance, the action of consenting to receive or undertake something offered. Two, acceptance, the action or process of being received as adequate or suitable. So, paraphrasing, according to Orwell, one, happiness can only exist in consenting to, or receiving, or undertaking something offered. Or two, happiness can only exist when we view what is offered as adequate or suitable. I recently returned from two weeks in Peru. Part of my adventure included going to Lake Titicaca, the name comes from the Quechuan and Aymara languages and can be translated as "titi," meaning puma, and kaka can be translated as gray or mountain. So it could be the mountain of the puma or the gray puma, which would be a mystical and powerful symbol of something otherworldly. And sitting at 12,500 feet above sea level certainly gives Lake Titicaca a feeling of being in an otherworldly place. We started our adventure in Peru, in Lima, which is at sea level. Then we flew to Lake Titicaca. Stepping off the plane, I could feel the thinner air. Walking up the stairs to our hotel room took away my breath. It was a rough night's sleep. Then in the morning, we were off to our homestay on the island of Amantani. After a one-hour boat ride followed by three hours of kayaking, our host Henry greeted us at the dock and offered each of us a sprig of munia, or mountain mint, an herb renowned for lessening the symptoms of altitude sickness. I loved this beautiful gesture of looking outward. Henry had been born on the island, and because of this, he didn't experience the nausea, lightheadedness, and exhaustion that can result from being at high altitude if you're not used to it. He was still able, though, to imagine the challenges his guests might face. Henry looked amused, yet understanding each time he had to pause to wait for us to catch our breath as we walked the additional three hundred feet higher up the island to reach his house where we would be staying. We settled into our rooms while Henry and his wife, Mary Luce, prepared lunch. Then, after a short rest, those of us who felt up to it hiked to the top of the island to visit Pachatata, an ancient Incan temple that sits at 13,500 feet. It was June 21st, the winter solstice. We struggled against our inadequate blood oxygenation to move upward through the terraced farmland to arrive in time to see the setting sun on this day of ancient ritual. There are no cars on the island, and therefore no roads, only walking pathways up the rugged slopes. As we walked through the terraced plots of potatoes and quinoa, I asked our guide how the families knew which was theirs. He said their fathers told them, and their fathers had been told by their fathers. There were no fences, no signposts, only footpaths crisscrossing the terraces going off in all directions, which was how we had ascended. Walking down the path in the dark with only a sky full of stars for light was amazing. There's no light pollution, on Amantani Island. Electricity is relatively new there. Now, thanks to solar panels, most homes have it, and some even have very limited Wi-Fi. As I lay in my room that evening, I had the chance to contemplate the stillness and separation of that island. Because of its altitude, it's typically chilly, and because of its latitude, there's not a big change in the length of days between summer and winter. The barrenness of the landscape etched by the ancient stone terracing, originating from the time of the Incas, evokes a sense of timelessness, accentuated by the deafening silence. I am lucky enough to live in a rural area without a lot of traffic and city sounds. I thought I lived in a quiet place until I spent a day and a night on Amantani. The sound of silence there was palpable. I loved all of this. I pondered what life would be like living in a community of 80 families on a remote island where your life plan is laid out with very limited options outside of the cultural conventions of farming with hand tools and making handmade textiles. I watched our hosts, Henry and Mary Luce, closely. Were their smiles genuine? As Mary Luce sat in the morning sun in her garden, embroidering the colorful traditional flowers on a shawl, was she happy? When Henry walked us down to the boat dock to send us off, behind his smile was there any sense of impatience or irritation at having to keep track of us as we stopped to take one final picture. Reviewing our entire interaction with Henry and Mary Luce, they had always been positive, their faces resting in a pleasant expression of contentment, quickly illuminating in joy as we asked questions and shared our gratitude for their hospitality. They were both raised on the island. Henry leaves the island to get supplies on the mainland three times a year. Mary Luce stays behind. I can't imagine such a confined life, but I wasn't planted on the island of Amontani. Mariluz and Henry were. They enjoy the one-hour walks to visit their abuelas, who are still living on Amontani. He works the terraced fields their ancestors have for generations, and the novelty of their limited internet access is still just that— A novelty, not a necessity. They have accepted their life on the island. Returning to my much more complicated life, I pondered which experience was better, and the answer is, to paraphrase George Orwell, acceptance. Acceptance of our ancestry, of our opportunities, of our heritage, of our placement on the planet. The old adage, bloom where you're planted, is another way of saying, accept the circumstances you can't change. Luce and Henry can't change their ancestry and the resulting limiting socioeconomic challenges that creates for them. They can make the most of it, though. Marilouce's beautiful artistry and her needlework reflects a heart fully invested in her opportunities to create. Their brave venture into opening up their home to strangers for homestays reveals their ambition and interest in reaching out and connecting where possible. My life has similar opportunities for creative expression and connection. I can't live on the island of Amontani. For starters, I have to marry someone already living there. On a side note, our handsome son Corbin had a half-hearted offer to marry Ruth, who lived on one of the floating islands of Uros. For a half-second, he thought about it and wondered what would his life be like if he was transported to live in such a strange environment. But it serves no purpose to fantasize about living on an island in a beautiful lake. When I am here, I live where I am. I may not have ancestral terraced farmland, but I can plant peach trees in my garden. My entire family doesn't live within an hour's walk, but I can FaceTime and plan gatherings and share funny memes in our family group text. I don't live in a mystical ancient Econ ruin, but I can go and visit it. Henry and Mariluz have accepted their life on the island. As we accept the lives we live, wherever that may be, we can also make them magical and beautiful as we accept our life circumstances, we too can flourish and bloom and be happy. Here's the rub though. Where do our dreams fit into this acceptance? Can we have acceptance and aspirations? I used to drive a stick shift car, or as we used to call it, a clutch, because there was a third pedal you used when your feet you used with your feet when you needed to change gears. It required pushing the clutch in with your foot while letting up on the gas with your other foot, which disengaged the gears so you could use the shifter with your hand to move to the gear you wanted. Not enough clutch, and you'd grind the gears. Not enough gas, and the car would stall. I think life is like that. We need to dream about something more while also accepting what we have. Henry and Marie Luce are content with their island life while also aspiring to more by being a host family. That's why the play theory principle is accept and build. We accept where we're at or what we're offered and we seek to add to it. When we recognize that challenges are the catalyst to solutions and growth, then our creative natures can fully develop. So back to my plantar fasciitis. According to Orwell, one, my happiness was served by accepting that I was offered the reality of having plantar fasciitis, a painful foot condition, and the opportunity it presented to focus on improving my flexibility as I developed a yoga practice to solve the problem. Two, or second, Because I accepted that I did have a problem, I wasn't in a state of denial, which only fuels anger and resentment. I accepted that I had this issue with my feet, and I had to deal with it, and I had the emotional bandwidth to exercise patience and contentment while seeking solutions for this problem. This acceptance allowed me to develop a swimming routine, which I never would have done otherwise, and the practice of yoga. Yes, the plantar fasciitis was a hassle. Nevertheless, because I accepted it instead of resenting it, I grew from it and was able to stay happy throughout the process and bloom. I'm sure there are downsides to living on the magical island of Almontani. There are downsides to living where I live. There will always be problems. We find happiness when we accept them recognizing them for what they are, opportunities for growth and development. There's no happiness without acceptance. And only when we accept and build on the circumstances we are in can we truly bloom where we're planted. So here's your play of the week. What life circumstance are you resisting or resenting instead of accepting? Maybe it's a bad back or a food allergy a barren back patio. Can you accept it? That's your reality and then build upon it. Maybe be open to seeing or finding long-term solutions for your back pain like yoga. I recommend Sarah Beth Yoga on YouTube. Are you living with an allergy that you resent and haven't accepted? Instead, can you embrace the foods that you can still eat and find enjoyment there? Maybe that bare patio is begging for a pot full of blooming annuals. You get the idea. Accept where you are and bloom. Let me know what you come up with. Well, that's our show for this week. Thanks for listening. If you learned something valuable, please look outward and share this episode with someone you know who could use a little more happy in their life. Next week, we'll be talking about just that, looking outward, and why you don't want to neglect this very important attribute. Until then, remember, happy isn't something that happens to you. It's something you make happen. And here at the Happiness Playbook, we're all about helping you do just that. Until next week, keep practicing happy. You got this.